Welcome to ADHD SOS. We've heard your call, and don't worry, help is on the way. This is the only podcast that combines mindset skills, cognitive psychology, and the motivational pep talks you need to beat procrastination and achieve peak performance. Join me, your host and fellow ADHDer, Tina L., as we journey from SOS to smooth sailing. Welcome back, SOS squad. Today, today we're talking about self-doubt. I want to kick this off by asking you a question. What is your very first memory of doubting yourself? What's the earliest memory you have of believing that you weren't capable of something? Was it when you couldn't follow instructions, learn to read, or complete the assignment? Was it when you couldn't keep your room organized, or your homework organized, or your desk organized? Was it when you couldn't sit still, shut up, or pay attention? ADHD ensures that our very earliest memories are the ones where we notice that we're different from other kids. That's in part because as children, we have no way of understanding why we're different. And difference creates doubt. Why does life seem like it's so much easier for everyone else? Why am I not capable of the same? What's wrong with me? A lot of neurotypical style motivational talks will tell you that self-doubt is a choice. Just decide to choose confidence. Their advice for banishing self-doubt is the same as it is for motivation and discipline. Just do it. But for many of us ADHDers, self-doubt has these deep roots that cannot just be plucked up by dropping the Nike slogan on us. We develop doubt in our abilities, often at a really early age, because we can see we're different from others. Doubt is not an imaginary insecurity. It's a lived experience. I could observe the many ways that I fell short way before a psychiatrist confirmed my ADHD diagnosis. But now, now imagine you had a different understanding of yourself at that young age. Imagine you and a classmate go to a park to do your homework. You each go to a picnic table and spread out your papers. You arrange them in neat stacks. You look over and notice that your classmate has done the same, but she puts a paperweight on each of her stacks. Paperweights, that's brilliant, but you don't have any paperweights. The wind blows and your papers fly away. Your classmate looks up for a moment, smiles at the breeze, and gets right back to her work because her papers are safely secured. You have to track down your papers. You finally gather them up, lay them out, and start to work again. But then the wind blows again and you're back to chasing papers because you don't have any paperweights. You and your classmate are equally smart, equally talented, equally capable. But she gets more done because she isn't affected by the wind, by the distractions. You're not less than because you weren't given paperweights at birth like 95% of the population. 
This brilliant analogy comes from the therapist Beth Main. Imagine being able to tell your confused and self-doubting child self, look, we're just missing paperweights. That means life is going to be extra challenging in a whole bunch of ways, but we don't have to make that mean something about our abilities. It only means that we need creative ways to replace our missing paperweights. Want to know an awesome ADHD hack? Become a follower of the show and new episodes will be served to you automatically when they become available. No need to remember to have to go looking for new episodes. Fresh survival strategies will be delivered straight to the homepage of your favorite player. On Spotify, click on the name of the show and click follow under the picture of me. And on Apple Podcasts, Click on the name of the show, click on the three dots on the right-hand side, and select follow. I can't wait for you to join the SOS squad. We build up this whole bank of evidence for why we should doubt ourselves, and often they're grounded in real, observable experiences. Many of us have vivid memories of our failures. It's so obvious that the outcome of this would be perpetual self-doubt. According to the preeminent ADHD researcher, Dr. Russell Barkley, by the time we reach adulthood, most ADHDers will have suffered years of feeling demoralized, discouraged, and ineffective because of a long-standing history of frustration and failures in school, work, family, social, and daily domains. Many report a chronic and deep-seated sense of underachievement and intense frustration over squandered opportunities and are at a loss to explain why they cannot seem to translate their obvious assets into more positive outcomes. Uh, Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? The obvious best solution is to just change our minds about ourselves, to just do it and choose confidence. But uprooting a lifetime of self-doubt takes time. It's totally worthwhile, and it's a lot of what we talk about here on this podcast. But at the same time, I'm a realist, and I know that from my own experience, changing my self-concept is not something that happened overnight. Meanwhile, we want to be living our lives and making progress now, not in five years after we've unwound all our trauma and limiting beliefs. So for the eager and impatient ADHD years in the room, my hand is raised way high, (laughs) Here are some shortcuts to banishing self-doubt and living with radical confidence. Think of this as a fake it till you make it on steroids. The first way to overcome self-doubt is to reimagine who you are. A huge reason for our self-doubt is how we understand ourselves and our ADHD brains. So what if we had a totally different way of thinking about how our brains work? We spoke about the paperweight analogy earlier. Here's another one called the circuit and the switch. Everyone, neurotypical or not, can be compared to a simple electrical circuit. Current runs through the circuit and powers equipment such as a light bulb. Everyone's circuit has a switch in this metaphor. Turn on the switch and the light comes on. Turn off the switch and the light goes out. The current in people with ADHD is just as strong as anyone's, and our light is just as bright. But our switch is not reliable. (laughs) It turns itself off when we get distracted or overwhelmed, and our light goes out. 
This is another genius analogy that comes from the therapist Beth Main. How does your belief in yourself change when you go from thinking about yourself as a hot mess or someone who just can't get it together to someone who's simply missing paperweights or a light switch? This isn't about minimizing our struggles or turning them into whimsical analogies. This is actually about getting more real and more honest about what's really going on. It's about getting clear that our behavior has to do with our neurology and not our morality, grit, or desire. The second way to overcome self-doubt is to have a why that is stronger than your self-doubt. Allow yourself to get self-righteously pissed, passionately amped, or intensely curious about something. When you're fully involved in the emotion, you lose your self-consciousness. There's much less room for self-doubt. It stops being about whether you're capable because you're tunnel visioning on that interest. This happened to me with social justice activism in college. And in particular, there was this one event that showed me that self-doubt was a veil that could be brushed aside by passion. At the time, I was very fired up about the proposed Central American Free Trade Agreement and the economic injustices that it would amplify in these developing countries. I was righteously pissed about being part of a country that bullied smaller countries and perpetuated poverty. But meanwhile, I'd always thought of myself as a listener, not a speaker. An ideas person, but not a leader. A person who can share ideas individually, but never to a crowd. And then, and then, sitting in the enormous lecture hall of my Politics 101 class with 300 other students during my first year at Cornell, the professor starts talking about the benefits of free trade agreements for poor countries. And something boiled over in me. I stood up and delivered a manifesto on the injustice of farm subsidies and the effects of American agricultural dumping on small farmers in developing countries. I delivered stats and cited evidence I didn't even know I remembered. I did not stammer. I had no ums. No pauses to stop and think, no meandering sentences. And at the end of it, I issued a call to my fellow students to join me in Miami, where official protests were planned in two weeks. This would be a 20-hour drive on vans I did not have and housing and logistics I had not even considered. I had been literally overtaken by a sense of purpose. At the end of the class, I was swarmed by people who wanted to join me on this trip And more than 30 of them, people who I'd never met before, came with me to Miami. I didn't change my beliefs about myself, my ability to speak to a crowd, to be a leader, or even my ability to remember what I want to say next. This was not a calculated move based on what I thought my odds of success would be. This was entirely based on raw emotion and belief in a cause. In that moment, I learned on a visceral level, that passion has the power to overtake self-doubt. And I still use this trick to this day. When I start to feel self-conscious about using my voice or self-doubt about what I want to say here on this podcast, I channel my anger and grief for how my younger ADHD self was treated and honestly for how I treated myself. I channel my conviction that she needed better support, better tools, and more compassion. 
I channel my righteous indignation for the ways that neurodivergent needs go unrecognized while our talents go underappreciated. And I get so consumed in that flurry of passion that I lose track of my self-doubt. What is that thing for you, the cause, the problem, the puzzle, that you can become so consumed by that you stop thinking about yourself and your own performance? The third way to overcome self-doubt is to give yourself evidence. I spent another decade in social justice activism. As a labor negotiator, my biggest audience was usually the number of people who could fit around the negotiating table, which is to say I didn't spend a lot of time building up my belief that large amounts of people would want to hear what I have to say. What I learned when I decided to start podcasting is that old self-doubt was still hanging around. That self-doubt told me things like, people don't listen when you speak. You're not good at remembering and articulating your thoughts. You don't have an interesting or unique perspective. When I hear these thoughts in my mind, I channel those convictions, the anger, the grief, the belief that other ADHDers deserve better, and I get passionately pissed. But I also do this other thing. Every time I have one of those thoughts, I remind myself of that time in the Cornell Auditorium of Politics 101. I remember the feeling in my body of power, of fluency, of conviction. When you're in self-doubt, the mind needs evidence that you can do the thing. But it doesn't need a body of evidence. We don't need an encyclopedia of proof. We only need one single memory, one single instance of evidence that we're capable You may not be someone who follows through on the regular, but you have followed through at least once. You may be someone who's overwhelmed often, but you have been confident in the midst of chaos at least once. You may be a perfectionist and fear getting things wrong, but you have been determined and brave at least once. All you need to vanquish self-doubt in the moment is the deep remembering of that one experience. A deep remembering is when you remember not just the details of the event, but what it felt like in your body. The heart-pumping, tingling feeling of taking a chance. The sturdy and rooted feeling of standing our ground. The juicy exhale of your body and mind after crossing a finish line. Remember, that one time is enough to vanquish self-doubt. And now it's time for the rescue recap. When it's sink or swim, remember these key takeaways. All right, SOS squad, let's break this down so that we can kick self-doubt to the curb where it belongs. For many ADHD years, self-doubt is baked into us at a very young age. We can see that we're different, and that difference creates doubt. Self-doubt is born from questions like, why can't I pay attention like other kids? Why am I so easily bothered by noise and light and sensory inputs? Why am I so easily overstimulated? And why do my emotions go from zero to a hundred in no time flat? Why can't I stay organized and keep track of time and finish things? Changing our minds about ourselves is a process that usually takes time. 
So for the impatient ADHDers among us, and my hand is raised, I propose three shortcuts for sidestepping self-doubt in the short term. The first is to reimagine who you are. What if all humans are lights and humans with ADHD are just lights with less reliable on and off switches? How does your belief in yourself change when you go from thinking of yourself as a hot mess or someone who just can't get it together to someone who's simply missing a light switch? The second way to vanquish self-doubt is to have a why that's stronger than your self-doubt. Allow yourself to get self-righteously pissed, passionately amped, or intensely curious about something. When you're fully involved in the emotion, you lose your self-consciousness. It stops being about whether you're capable because you're tunnel visioning on the thing of your interest. And then give yourself evidence. When you're in self-doubt, the mind needs evidence that you can do the thing. But it doesn't need a body of evidence. We don't need an encyclopedia of proof. We only need one single memory, one single instance of evidence that we're capable. So here's the challenge I want to leave you with for this week. What's an area of your life where you're experiencing self-doubt or questioning your abilities in some way? You got that answer? You have that in your mind? Okay, good. I want to challenge you to see if you can apply one of these three strategies to level up your confidence. So can you reimagine yourself as someone who is equally capable as your peers but just has a mechanical difference? Can you get passionate or pissed or obsessed with a puzzle to the extent that you lose your self-consciousness and get caught up in the activity? Can you give yourself evidence of just one single time in which you succeeded at doing something similar to the challenge you're taking on now? Just one piece of evidence is enough. I am rooting for you and I love you. SOS Squad, over and out. Do you have a question about ADHD or an issue with productivity that you'd like to hear discussed on the show? I would love to throw you a lifeline. Send your SOS message to ADHDSOSpodcast at gmail.com. That's ADHDSOSpodcast at gmail.com. I can't wait to hear from you.